The following message was preached at Redeemer Community Church. For more information about Redeemer, visit us online at www.redeemernc.org. Today's scripture reading comes from Daniel 9, verses 20 through 23. While I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my petition before the Lord my God concerning the holy mountain of my God, While I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, reached me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. He gave me this explanation. Daniel, I've come now to give you understanding. At the beginning of your petitions, an answer went out, and I have come to give it, for you are treasured by God. So consider the message and understand the vision. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you, Ariel. There's a category of jokes uh, referred to as good news, bad news jokes. I think this is the most famous one. I've heard this more often, I think, anyway. A doctor says to the patient, I have good news and bad news. The patient says, well, go with the good news first. The doctor says, you have 24 hours to live. The patient says, what? How about the bad news? And the doctor says, I I forgot to tell you that yesterday. (laughs) That's really a bad news and a a worse news joke. What you consider bad news versus good news is uh, so relative, right? I mean, if the fireman says to you, good news now, your smoke alarm did work, you know, you're wondering what's the bad news. If a paramedic says, good news, the airbags worked, um, then what's the bad news, right? When I read Daniel 9, I think of this back and forth between good news and bad news, and I'm going to show you that this morning. New Testament people of God have so many more details about the one who brings the end of all things, but we have almost the exact same questions. We're like the situation of flying overseas, and I'm just sort of hoping all of you are just completely with with me on this one. I mean, I really, really despise flying overseas. Uh, That long trip. I mean, think about it. All right, so I already know before I've taken off, there's going to be a ton of bad news. Number one, the airport. Uh, You know, sitting in the plane for a while, waiting for taxi. You've got uh, crying children. You have cramped space. It's terrible to go across the ocean in that small space, small bathroom. Need need I say even airline food? Um, And then you have to look up there at first class, and those people are just having the time of their life. But what I do, of course, is just to bear with it is look at that app on the screen in front of the, in the seat in front of me which shows me that the little airplane that's going from New York to Washington, it's, it's flying across the ocean to the destination. Whatever I'm watching on the screen, I always go back to that. How, how much longer? And of course, what it has on there is usually the time of destination, how long it's going to take. And, and, you know, it just gives me some sort of hope that this trip is going to come to an end. But really, in the plane that we're in, it does show us on a plane traveling, we have a lot of confidence in the pilot. We have all the confidence in the world in our pilot and that the plane is going to land, but we don't even have how long till we land. So we're always waiting, and that's sort of what life feels like right now. Verse 20 of of our text, Danny and I said, while I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my petition before the Lord my God concerning the holy mountain of God. While I was praying, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the first vision, reached me in my extreme weariness 
about the time of the evening offering, and he gave me this explanation. Daniel, I've come to give you understanding. How disappointing to be praying about a when, and what you're going to get is explanation, and you need some more understanding. At the beginning of your petitions, an answer went out, and I have come to give it, for you are treasured by God. So consider the message and understand the vision. What a swift and dramatic response to Daniel's praying. We could only hope, or maybe it would, maybe we don't want that to happen, praying, and then before we can even you know, say amen, an angel comes swooping in here. And it's not just any angel, it's, it's an archangel, Gabriel. He tells, he tells Daniel, God knows about weariness, and he does, by the way, he does know about weariness, which maybe in one word sort of just describes your whole life right now. Maybe you feel that way. How am I doing? Weary. God cares. But what Daniel gets from Gabriel is, according to verse 22, an explanation, more understanding. That's not exactly an answer. Gabriel reassures Daniel that he's treasured, he's loved, but what should Daniel think of this? What, what, what would come after hearing the declaration, you know, I love you, and I'm giving you a brand new car? Well, that would be good, if that's what you mean, but he, it sounds more like this, you know. A doctor has told you, you know, after returning from looking at the x-rays, it says, now I want you to know that you're important to us, and, and you're, we're going to do everything we can to take care of you. That's, that's an ominous sort of message. We're, we're supposed to be reassured that the doctor's going to do everything he can, but like, what are you about to say next? What's the bad news here? You're not going to like what I'm about to tell you, but never forget, you know, that you're loved. Well, I'm glad to be loved, but I'm looking for an answer, and you look like you're about to tell me some more bad news. And not only that, Gabriel is going to explain things by way of a vision. Oh, no, not another vision. Why can't God just speak normally, black and white, straightforward, simple and concise? I wonder if any of you are feeling that. God's use of language that seems imprecise, symbols and numbers that keep you from total clarity, words that require humble meditation, what sometimes even seems contradictory, all this allows God to remind you that you cannot control the future. I need to tell you some information, but the more information I give you, the more you think you can make some sort of control over the situation, and you don't need to do that. You can prepare adequately for the future, but you cannot change it. Remember that God knows the exact meaning, obviously, of everything that he says, images, symbols, numbers, and so on. Not because God can see the future, but because he ordains the future. That's so much more important. A good and perfect God decrees everything that will happen. Now this short vision, like the others, has events, persons, and a timeline. The events include some things that end, some things that continue, and, and then there's covenant that is made or renewed. There is a person called the anointed one who does good things, but there's someone called a ruler and he seems to desolate things. And then there's this mysterious timeline. In many ways, I have spent really a long time, I mean years, preparing for this sermon, preparing for this passage. It is complex. Uh, and I don't mean to be too specific, but to keep it open for you to think about. But I want you to know some things that will help you and encourage you and, and, and for you to understand that God does want to communicate certain things. So this is what he says in 924. 
70 weeks, 70 times seven, are decreed about your people and your holy city. And then these six events. Here's the first one. To bring the rebellion to an end. Rebellion, that's a strong word. What rebellion? What would Daniel think if he heard that? When he heard that? He could think of one of two things or maybe both things at the same time. The rebellion of a nation that captures God's chosen people and enslaves them and sets up their own idols. That, that is surely a rebellion against God for a nation to do that. Or it could be the rebellion of Israel itself, God's own people who are choosing idols over him. And in fact, that is exactly what Daniel seems to have just confessed earlier in our chapter. What do you think today when you think about the rebellion? What rebellion? Your mind goes to your history class and you think about, is this the rebellion of the Revolutionary War, America against England? Is it the rebellion of the Southern Confederacy? What comes to your mind? What would you show me if I said, show, you know, show me a picture of the rebellion? And what you ought to show me is a picture of planet Earth. In the universe, the planet of rebellion is not really the Garden of Eden, that little spot. It's not even really that little spot in the Middle East by the Mediterranean Sea, it is the whole planet Earth. We, collectively, since the Garden of Eden, have been rebellion against God. And the first event is that this person will bring a rebellion to an end. And then to put a stop to sin. That is clearly the most important thing that I want stopped. I think it is for you too. I want my sin stopped. I want your sin stopped. I want the world's sin stopped. We've proved that the military, the police, laws, the prison system, education system, redistribution of wealth, none of it stops sin. He says, to atone for iniquity. Atonement. That will be dear to Daniel and dear to any Israelite year after year, lamb after lamb, sacrifice after sacrifice. Is there no end must the yearly day of atonement go on forever? Daniel, like you and me, wants total forgiveness, permanent forgiveness. And then to bring in everlasting righteousness. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to put away sin and rebellion, please replace it with everlasting righteousness. The world, again, is saturated with religion, saturated with religion. And still there is no worldwide everlasting righteousness. So somebody's going to come and do this. That's really good news. But two more things, though. To seal up vision and prophecy. Seal means ownership. Daniel learns his, to his encouragement that God is stating that he owns up to all of his visions and prophecies in the Bible. Think of all the prophecies that would come to David's mind. They will be vindicated. They will be fulfilled. That's good news. And then finally, and to anoint the most holy place. To anoint means to set apart for special use. After all the desecrations and abominations of Israel's holy place, a fresh and lasting anointing will take place. That's good news because the most holy place in the temple has been desecrated. There's so much bad news. Look at verse 25. No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem 
until the anointed one, the ruler will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, or seven time periods and 62 time periods. It will be rebuilt with plaza and a moat, but in difficult times. Difficult times. Have we not already had enough of difficult times? How do you say all these wonderful things done by an anointed one and tell me that there's still going to be difficult times? Daniel's thinking. Verse 26. After those 62 weeks, the anointed one will be cut off and have nothing. The people of the coming ruler will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come with the flood. And until the end, there will be war. Desolations are decreed. <sighs> All right, for, who is this anointed one? How could he do such great things and still be cut off? How could he have nothing? A coming ruler who will destroy the city and the sanctuary. I've heard that one before. Is this yet another one? Didn't you just tell me there is a decree to restore and rebuild uh, Jerusalem? And more war? Come on, Lord. What about, what about Isaiah 2, 4? They shall be beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What about that verse? Verse 27, he will make a firm covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and offering. Wow. Maybe Daniel thinks, I don't even know how to process this one. My people cannot seem to keep God's covenant. I'm good with another covenant being confirmed, but we need something to change if we're ever going to keep a new covenant. And just one period, and something happens in the middle of that time period, what does that even mean? And I'm a little bit concerned with a stop to sacrifice an offering. This could be a good thing, after all, can sacrifice and offering just go on forever and forever? I'd love to not have to go to Jerusalem every day of atonement, but, but what would take its place? And then finally, and the abomination of desolation will be on the wing of the temple until the decreed destruction is poured out on the desolator. Gabriel, all the good news seems to evaporate away when your vision ended with destruction and Desolator. That's how, that's how it ended. And you tell me that it's decreed. Nothing is going to change the future. Decree is destiny. Now, what about that mysterious timeline? All right, listen carefully. I want to give some explanation here. I want you to think about this. This short vision is not very graphic. But it's very detailed, pretty detailed. And of course, it's not easy for Daniel to understand. The big mistake would be to attempt to be too precise, too precise, and then miss the main principles. Remember that the vision is an answer to Daniel's question of when Jeremiah's prophecy of captivity will be over. And when will Jerusalem be free and therefore the temple be in use again? He's not exactly getting the answer that he wanted. In fact, there's some good news and there's some bad news. 70 weeks, says Gabriel in verse 24. It actually reads 77s, 77s. Immediately we'll know that precision is impossible. For Daniel, what he really wants, a righteous Israel that worships God correctly is gonna take 
a lot longer than he ever expected. It's a long time, but it's a finite time. It's the complete amount of time that God needs to do what he promised to do. Remember this, all of us, that in heaven there is no calendar. As you might get a new calendar for 2023, remember that that does not exist in heaven. There are no alarm clocks in heaven to wake somebody up, to start a new day. Nobody's wearing a wristwatch in heaven, okay? Remember, we get a clue about this, about about God's view of time from Psalm 90, verse 4. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. That's a verse that Peter quotes, even, in 2 Peter 3.8. Gabriel gives good news about six things that will be accomplished within this 70-frame week time frame. And then Gabriel breaks the 70 weeks or time groups into three groups, a seven-week part, a 62-week part, and then a one-week part. These are not 24-hour-day weeks. These are not literal seven-calendar years either. The decree time, though, begins with Persian King Cyrus's decree to rebuild the temple and restore Jerusalem. And that actually happened in 538 B.C., This is the time when the 70 weeks begin. Keep remembering, not in a literal fashion. Here's some precision here, but let's think about this. So the first seven, the first seven goes from the decree of Cyrus to rebuild Jerusalem. It's not seven years. It symbolizes some time, symbolizes some time, a complete time, but not too long. This is the time of the books of, of Ezra and Nehemiah, as you read in your Bible the rebuilding process. The next decree time lasts much longer. Daniel hears it as 62 sevens or weeks. It's not smooth. It's described as a difficult time, a troubled time. That's how it's described. Here Israel experiences, for instance, the demise of Persia, the rise of Greece, and that little horn, you remember, which causes so much trouble, does so much horrible things. Greece is replaced by Rome. So up till Christ, that's already been several hundred years. The temple and the city of Jerusalem are mostly rebuilt. Up till this time, there has been a lot of trouble and bloodshed. With Rome, there is some peace, and yet Rome is no friend of Israel, no friend of the Jews. So by the time 7 plus 62 equals 69, of the 70 weeks are completed, the anointed one appears. He's the one who accomplishes the six events in verse 24. He's the one who causes the good news because he is the good news. So the stunning news to Daniel is that after these 69 time periods are finished, something monumental happens. The things that the anointed one accomplishes begins the 70th week. You think then that the end of all things must be around the corner. But though the anointed one accomplishes those six things and makes a firm covenant, he is cut off. Furthermore, that coming ruler in verse 26, the one who destroys the city and the sanctuary, that is the one who stops the sacrifices 
and desolates the temple in Jerusalem. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, he said, Jesus said, run for your lives and don't look back. But we know who that is. That's Emperor Titus in 70 AD. This event is so influential that Jesus himself predicted it among his final words before he was crucified. Wow, right? Now, we're the church. We have the complete word, written word of Christ. And that gives us a lens to look at the book of Daniel unlike any other prophet had in their time. Daniel, like all prophets, tends to look at, this is important. Daniel, like all the prophets, tends to look at fulfillment of God's promises through a real city in a real land, through an actual temple made by human hands, with a real sanctuary and a literal altar by bloody animal sacrifices, it was hard to grasp that God's promises are fulfilled through a person. The son of man, an anointed one who is cut off. This is what I want you to do then today. I want you to think four things about this text. Here's the first one. The anointed one is Jesus Messiah. He brings the end of rebellion to all who submit to him as Lord. The entire world will one day bow to him and call him Lord. He puts a stop to sin by removing the power of sin to control our lives and by removing the sting of death by giving us resurrection life. He's the one who brings atonement for sins by becoming our sin and satisfying the holy demands of God. And his atonement is once and for all and final. How blessed to hear Hebrews 9, 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, the anointed one brings in everlasting righteousness. Prophets, priests, and kings can't do it. Politicians try and try to bring in everlasting righteousness, and they can't do it. So do schools and courthouses. Churches, temples, mosques can't do it. Religion has been alive and well on every continent since the beginning of the human race, and it still can't bring in everlasting righteousness. But Jesus will. The Jews of Jesus' time knew that all, all that the prophets said, but they struggled to understand that every vision and prophecy is fulfilled in the man standing in front of them. And likewise, we learn that the most holy place anointed and set apart by God 
is nothing less than Jesus himself. Salvation is not a place. It's not a ritual. It's a person. Risen, our king can never die again, never be desecrated again. And we know that he was cut off at age 33. I wonder if Daniel thought of Isaiah 53, 8. Did you think of that when you were reading Daniel, of Isaiah 53? Let me remind you, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. But Jesus is able to make a new people with his new covenant, the new covenant. Ratified by the blood of Jesus, its sign is the Holy Spirit given to all at conversion. And with it, a new circumcision and a new heart. Where we, can, we can't keep the covenant, Jesus keeps it for us and therefore makes it firm. There's a second thing. Salvation has begun, but trouble continues. I have such good news, the Bible, with me, and then I have that bad news. We have to admit that. We are now justified freely by his grace, Romans 3. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. Yet Daniel hears that there are still difficult times. There's still war. There's still bad actors on God's stage who oppose him and, and his people. We've already had them. Nebuchadnezzar, we've, talk, we've talked about Antiochus. From Daniel's perspective, Nero will come. Titus and many more. In fact, Apostle Paul will remind us of a coming man of lawlessness He's doomed to destruction, Paul says to the Thessalonians, but he's still coming. Jesus told his disciples through a parable, this is so important. The kingdom of God has now arrived in me. I'm paraphrasing the parable now. The kingdom of God has arrived in me. You may be surprised that though the good grain of God's kingdom has now been planted and is growing, the enemy has also sowed weeds the grain and the weeds will grow together for a time. That's, that's where we are. Until then, wait. For the harvest is coming and the weeds will be pulled up and burned and the grain will be gathered safely into barns. See, Jesus is just saying in that parable what's in Daniel 9. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Walking with Jesus was like walking with Daniel's visions. Think about it. Think about everything that Jesus said to his disciples. Jesus said, the kingdom of God has arrived. Israel's king has arrived. That's good news. But there's bad news. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. But there's good news. I'm going to rise again the third day. But there's bad news. I'm going to leave you and go back to glory. But there's good news. I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. But there's bad news. You'll be persecuted for my sake. But there's good news. I'm coming back to finish the work and put us all together again. Basically, after that, Jesus didn't give the disciples any more bad news, but he could have added this. And oh, by the way, I won't be coming back for over 2,000 years. Turns out that the more things change, the more things stay the same. The pattern continues. The end has begun but the end 
of the end is delayed. Well, here's something else then. Thirdly, trouble ends, salvation completes. So much to be said about this. Just say this, Ephesians 1.14, in Christ you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. We have an inheritance waiting. Our souls are redeemed, but not our bodies yet. Daniel's so-called 70th week, the last seventh, was begun by the coming and dying of the anointed one. Right in the middle of this 70th week, the sacrifices and offerings cease in a destroyed temple. Daniel 9.27. That is where we are. What we call the church age is the last three and a half weeks of Daniel's 77s. The New Testament apostles repeatedly called this time the last days, the later days, or later times, or the fullness of time, or the last hour, or the end of the ages. That's the time that we're in. Almost 2,000 years now. When will it end? We don't know. But Daniel has some clues about what to expect from his own scriptures. Let me just give you one piece of more information here. So I begin to close here. Seven reminds us of the Sabbath. Work six days, rest the seventh, right? In its disobedience, Israel famously did not keep the weekly Sabbath. Working to make more money on the seventh day. Instead of resting, you don't rest because you just got to make more money. Your servants don't rest. Your animals don't rest. The land doesn't even rest for one day. They disobey. Leviticus chapter 25 is a very, very instructive chapter. And one we read over too quickly. And we do that with the book of Leviticus because it's heavy and it's got a lot of details. But go back to 25 one day. There the Lord tells Israel that not only are you to keep the weekly Sabbath, you're to keep yearly Sabbaths. That is every six years, not days, every six years you're to take a whole year of rest. You, your servants, your animals, the land. Rest and watch God supply all you need for the seventh year. Nobody in here would do that. No one would say like, I want no income for six, uh, uh, after the sixth year. I'm just gonna just trust God to supply all my needs for one year. Very, very difficult. But God did, he was faithful. But they didn't obey that. That's not all, you guys. Leviticus 25 says that Israel is to keep seven of those seventh years, Sabbath years. That's seven times seven, which equals, if my math is correct, 49 years. On the 50th year, you're to rest again, stop farming, release all slaves, forgive all debts, and restore the poor. Every 50 years, everybody, and you should be able to hopefully live within 50 years of your lifetime, celebrates this one glorious time after the 49th year, a, a year of rest. is called the year of jubilee. Every 50th year is a jubilee. 
A great trumpet is sounded on the day of atonement. Let me just say this again. A trumpet is sounded on the jubilee year. A great celebration happens, but Israel did not keep these Sabbaths. Now, you guys, Daniel can do some math. Seventy sevens are 490 years. That's 10 jubilee periods. No, 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 no. Do not think about it in literal terms. He's helping Israel to understand you have not kept these Sabbaths. You have not kept your sabbatical years. I'm going to keep them for you times 10. That's how God does things. Success and fulfillment will not come in a people. It won't come in, in, in religion. It will come in a person, the anointed one, Jesus Messiah, one like the Son of Man. He'll atone for all sins. That is such good news for you who will choose to believe it. He will bring sin and rebellion to an end. He'll bring in everlasting righteousness. He'll make a new covenant that cannot fail. He'll fulfill every vision and prophecy. That's why... God gives Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, the dominion, the glory, and the kingdom. Chapter 7. This final age, Daniel's 70th 7, comes to a close with a trumpet sound. The dead in Christ are raised, and all the living saints join them in happy celebration, happy jubilee with our Savior. In other words, there's not much time left, except that I have no idea how much time is left. Which brings us to this final point. We wait, faithful like Daniel, till the end comes. As we come toward the end of the, uh, of the Daniel series, I think, your mind is beginning to change. Now, everybody has always loved since Sunday school the stories of the first six chapters of the adventures of Daniel and his three friends. I get that. Maybe you were dreading a little bit about the visions that were to come. How will it be preached could I possibly understand that? I really don't even enjoy reading those visions, perhaps. But you're beginning to take a new appreciation that God is teaching his people. I feel sure of it. You're becoming less afraid of apocalyptic literature. Now you may even ask, why isn't the whole book about visions of Daniel's future, Israel's future, and the future of Christ's church? Well, the better question is, the end has begun in Christ. What am I to do while I wait for it all to really end. We must stop asking the when questions and I'll be asking questions, what do I do now? The answer is, the book of Revelation tells us that Babylon endures to the end. While in Babylon, don't let Babylon get in you. We can repeat that. You're in Babylon now. It endures to the very end. Don't let Babylon get in you. It's coming into your home, into your mind. Pay attention. Be faithful like Daniel. Be holy, be patient, be vigilant. Keep praying. Jeremiah said that the new covenant would, be, would have all that the Spirit is to give us, and not to be on us, but to be actually in us, in our hearts. That's what Jeremiah said. The Holy Spirit is your power source for real joy and fruitful work. Bless all of you. I struggle so much with joy, and I have all that I need to be joyful while I'm in Babylon. I need to, I need to hook up with that, and you do too, I feel like. 
And then so many of you are looking at your work as the week approaches, like, oh, another week of work, and what does it all mean? What does it count for anything? But it's the Holy Spirit that makes that work and any work you do particularly fruitful, and we have that. That's what we have now as we wait for our inheritance. So the good news is Jesus will bring a glorious end to history the moment he returns. What he has started, he will finish. And I'm going to stop on that good news. Pray with me. Father, in heaven, help us to understand what we're supposed to get from the book of Daniel in this section. To be faithful, to be holy, vigilant, to pray, to not give up, to remember our inheritance. Again and again and again, we need that reminder. Thank you for the reminder. Please keep reminding us of that. Lord, there's just enough in here to remind even the person who has come into our auditorium this morning who does not know the Lord Jesus as Savior. There is only bad news for that person in the future, and I pray for them, all those like that, to come to Jesus this morning. I pray these things in the name of Jesus, our great interceder, our great high priest, king, prophet, in his name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Community Church in Fuquaverina, North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more sermons, we invite you to visit us online at RedeemerNC.org.